1: Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. This is Shannon, and tonight I'm here with Stacy, Natalia, and Brooke. We are talking about, as it's um, something like five degrees in my part of the world, we are talking about books set in winter. So for three out of the four of us here, it is winter. For Natalia, (laughs) it's like it's Fake summer, winter.
2: 88 degrees, actually. Oh my God, winter. I went to the pool okay. two days ago, Shut got up. in the hot tub.
1: Okay, <laughs> that's enough of you. <laughs> so, book set in the winter. Um, Natalia has decided that she is not going to be in last place anymore. So once again, we are shaking up the order. Brooke is starting us off followed by Natalia, Stacy, and I will end the round. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro Podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com.
3: So my first book this evening is A Blizzard of Polar Bears, Alex Carter, book two by Alice Henderson. So our main character's name is Alex and she is a wildlife biologist. She does research in different areas um, as you'll find when you get to know the series. And so she's always, each book focuses on a different type of animal so in her first book she looks she does research on wolverines and in the second book looks at polar bears so her friend has asked her to do this research for her because um she really wanted to do it herself but she's really busy so alex says no problem i'm done with the wolverines so i have time so she heads off to churchill manitoba and she starts her research. So she gets to meet all of the team. So she's in a center where there's a whole bunch of different people that are doing different types of research in that area. There's um, like a person that's like an ice expert. There's some other people that are looking at like the wind speeds and the climate and just different things in that kind of environment. It's very cold and they're having to work around like the weather. The weather can be very nasty or it can be a little bit calmer. So they're waiting. She spends a little bit of time just kind of doing a research at the center because she has to wait until it's safe for the helicopter to go up in the air. When she gets into the helicopter, they start kind of flying around trying to find the different polar bears because what they're trying to do is they're trying to, they're going to do some tranquilizer darts and they're going to do some research. They wanna know like the size and they're gonna take some blood. They're gonna take different samples from the bears. So she does that. And as she's doing that, she's having a great time. She's getting lots of information and everything's just going really, really well. So then all of a sudden, like the helicopter pilot cancels, completely cancels on her. And now she's got to find a new person to fly for her. And it's not the greatest easiest thing to find. So she's, her um, assistant starts doing the research. Um, they find another pilot But then all the samples that she collected have gone missing. So she kind of realizes that there's something fishy going on because not only is this helicopter pilot all of a sudden canceled, but then now her research has gone missing. So like, what is going on? So she starts kind of looking into it because she realizes that there's somebody out there that doesn't want her to her research doesn't want her project to succeed so her and her research partner um assistant sorry they take off in the air the um helicopter with the new pilot and you would think things would go well at this point because things have just not been going well well the helicopter catches fire and they end up having to do an emergency landing on the ice And then all of a sudden you hear snowmobiles coming. And my friends, that is where I'm going to leave you. I don't wanna give any more away, but this was a great, great book. Um, You learn a lot about polar bears, a lot about research that's happening in that area. Um, The series in general, you learn a lot about endangered species and about the research that's happening in the different types of animals. The third book actually looks at caribou, which was really neat too. So this is A Blizzard of Polar Bears, Alex Carter, book two, by Alice Henderson.
1: I really liked um, A Solitude of Wolverines. I haven't
2: read the other two yet, but I definitely want to. Well, my next book is not about polar bears, but it is. About a deadly snowstorm, ooh, and um, you know, deadly snowstorms are a great, great setting for a well, not only an awesome romance, but a mystery and thriller. Yeah. So this is the Overnight Guest by Heather Gutenkoff. Oh, and <laughs> it is actually it got the Goodreads Choice Award for. Best mystery and thriller, I believe. I believe that's true. Yep. And this is about a woman who receives a very unexpected visitor during a deadly snowstorm when she actually thought she was alone. Oh, dear. So so Willie Lark is a true crime writer. And uh, she's retreated to uh, her farmhouse to um, write her new book. And, you know, she's snowed in and it's isolated, but she's just fine with that. It's better for writing, being alone, nice, cozy fire, um, complete silent. And it would be perfect, except that in the same house decades earlier, two people were murdered in cold blood and a girl disappeared, never to be seen or heard from again without a trace. (laughs) And I know, right? (laughs) And then the (laughs) storm gets worse. Uh, to the point where she you know um willie gets trapped into this house because now you know she doesn't mind being snowed in but now she's really snowed in and she's haunted by the secrets that are contained within that house and also secrets of her own she but then she discovers a small child in the snow just outside oh she brings the small child in for safety And then she begins to search for answers, but soon it becomes clear that the farmhouse isn't as isolated as she thought, and someone is willing to do anything to find them. Who is this child? Where did this winter child come from? I think you'll have to read The Overnight Guest by Heather Gudenkoff. Guys, I read this book in one sitting. I I don't know what chores I was even doing when I listened to it because (laughs) it was that good. Yeah,
0: I um, don't know what I would do if I found a child in the snow, like out in a remote area. I would sort of wonder, like, well, in real life, I'd probably take the child inside too. But as I'm hearing <laughs> you discuss this, I'm like, oh, my God, is this some sort of like haunted, like like supernatural thing? Like, is it going to be some weird child that causes crazy things to happen? And that's where my <laughs> mind goes right away. But either way, yeah, like, the, be-
2: does anybody else see the child?
0: Right. No, like, like am, yeah. I, am I like, am I stuck in a situation where I've been alone in this snow too long? Like at the overlook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Hallucinating
0: a child. So there's something about like winter set books that I think lends itself to a more romantic suspense type vibe. Um, there are plenty of, you know, of my favorite holiday romances that have the snow vibe, but obviously now we're at the end of January and I'm not interested in reading any sort of like holiday thing. And so it seems like a lot of the things that are set in winter are the ones with like a killer chasing someone or, you know, that puts you, pits you against the elements. And my first book tonight is called Whiteout and it's Survival Instincts number one by Adriana Anders. And I just have to say this book was just like, holy crap from start to finish. So this book is about Angel Smith and Angel Smith had some things happen to her in her life that made her kind of want to take a break from it. So when she's offered a position, so when she sees that there's a posting for a cook on a remote research station in Antarctica, she jumps at the chance to get away from sort of the shambles of her life and to get away from things that she doesn't want to be around anymore. And she takes um, a month long post at this research station on Antarctica. And, you know, she really gets to like a lot of the people at the research station that she um, is cooking for and kind of they build this little family in this isolated outpost where people are studying very various scientific sort of ice related things. But there is one man at this research station that she calls the ice man because he just is so remote. He won't talk to her. He basically acts like she's like scum on his shoe. He always ignores her. He doesn't want to be around her. And he won't speak except for like in grunts and short sentences. And this is Dr ford cooper and he is a glaciologist so basically he spends all of his time out in the ice all alone excuse me for my cold that isn't quite done yet but he's out in the ice all alone like drilling down and learning things about different ice layers which to me does not sound super fascinating but to him is incredibly so so On the last morning that Angel is on this research station before she is going to be flown out because we are about to start Antarctic winter, which is kind of not the greatest. Um, There's very little light. You have, when I say sub-zero temperatures, I mean way below zero temperatures. And so the summer people, um, they, they fly out on a plane before they aren't able to do so because the planes are grounded due to the fuel actually freezing in the planes. So before angel leaves, she decides she's going to go down um, into like the storage area to kind of replenish some of the cooking supplies that she's gone through before she gets on the plane. And while angel is down in this sort of isolated warehouse type place, she actually witnesses a murder. And as anyone would do, she sort of flips her shit in terror and tries to hide from the killers who figure out that she is there. And she ends up getting left on this research station with only Dr. Ford Cooper to find whatever happened to her. She's locked in an ice tunnel actually beneath the station. And once she's rescued, they realize that what this killer is searching for is some of Ford's work um, from one of his drill sites. It's something that I'm not gonna talk about that is part of the ice that he has brought up for further study. And so they decide the only way for them to stay alive because these people who wanted this thing, they're going to come back to this research station to get it. And so they think the only thing that they can do is to ski out into the Antarctic like frozen tundra where there's nothing for at least 500 miles. And they have to cross-country ski pulling sleds of food and hope that they can get to this other research station in the next 21 days. Because that's all the food that they are able to pack. Oh my gosh. Right? And so they, they ski off into the great unknown. There's literally nothing around them except for ice. And they ski off pulling their sleds of supplies. And for the next, I won't tell you how long. It's them versus the elements. With the added strain Boy. of knowing a killer is... Trying to find them in this oh. wasteland of ice and desolation. And they're battling against storms and, you know, um, like frigid temperature related injuries. And it's all, they have to do their best to out ski, outrun these killers who are desperate to get their hands on this thing that they have. And this is one of the most action-packed, well-plotted, tightly plotted romantic suspense books I have ever read. Um, The danger banging actually happens at a moment when it feels realistic for it to happen. Um, You know, this is a forced proximity book. They're stuck, um, you know, for days on end um, in this, like, very small tent, you know, tucked together for warmth as, like, this horrific wind and ice storm kind of scours the landscape this book is one of the most amazing things it has great um character development it has i mean it has time to do so many interesting things and happily for me the entire story isn't told in this first book um there is a second book as well that kind of is a continuation of the discovery that ford makes and trying to keep it out of the hands of evil Will Angel and Ford be able to let down their barriers and trust each other in this wilderness of ice and weather? And will they make it to the research station ahead of the killers? And if they do make it to this research station, will they find safety or more danger? If you'd like to know, you have to read Whiteout Survival Instincts Number no. One by Adriana Anders. And I really beg that you do. It is. Oh, my God. It was one of the best romantic suspense books I've read in a really,
2: really long time. Just the danger banging is going to make me read it.
0: I know! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm on my iPad for, like, ever.
0: I yeah. need to get this. It's it's really, really good. Um, it. I felt like the length was perfect. It never dragged. There was never, like... There was no time in the story, really, for them to, like, pause for romance, which I appreciated because I feel like if you're out on the ice of Antarctica you don't really have time for like all the like does he like me do I like him crap you know like your every day is (laughs) about survival it's about eating frozen butter to give yourself enough calories to ski miles across um like a barren land of ice where there's nothing but you and the elements like it was a really 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 good book.
1: So my first book tonight is a 2023 release. This is City Under One Roof by Iris Yamashita. Um, I'm going to be transparent and say that this was not the best book for me. However, I think it is a really, really great book for a lot of people who aren't me. Um, I can't really tell you why without ruining some things. Um, But this was, I really, really loved this up until this thing happened at the end that really kind of messed with me. But I recognize that this is a a me problem and not a book problem. So this is set in a small town in Alaska called Meteor. And when winter comes, as it so often does in Alaska, (laughs) people end up living literally in one building. It is a very large building and they have like set it up so that you know there can be stores in there, the police station is in there, everything is contained within this building. And so for a good bit of the year, because of the climate in Alaska, that is like just where people live. So the story opens when a teenage girl named Amy discovers a body. And it fits the profile of some crimes that have occurred in other places throughout the United States. But of course, Amy you know, doesn't realize this. And so she kind of reluctantly goes to the police. She has a lot of reasons for mistrusting the police. And the police kind of brush her off. They say, oh, you know, it's just Kids like you know messing around, and it got it was taken too far. But it's nothing to worry about. Now, Kara is a police detective, and she journeys to Medear when she hears about this body because she has reason to believe that this dead body that was found is somehow connected to the disappearance of her husband and son which happened a little while before our story begins so she has been relieved of her duties as a police detective for quite a while now because she's been unable to kind of cope with her losses and she's not you know able to to work but she doesn't tell anyone this and she just goes and says you know i'm investigating this and of course people believe her so She starts digging in to what happened to this person. And as she does, she realizes that there are a lot of sort of unsavory people in this small town which is now contained in this building because the snow begins to fall and she can't leave now which means she is stuck here with these people that she doesn't know. And with, she's pretty sure, the person who is responsible for the murder. The story is told in three, like from three distinct points of view. We see Amy, we see Kira, we also see Lonnie, who is a resident of the town, who has quite a few secrets, some of which may or may not be connected to the murder. Um, A notable thing about Lonnie is that she has a moose for a pet, a moose. And yes, and she walks him on a leash. <laughs> um it's it's very very random, but that is like a nice little, you know, quirky thing that you get to see, someone taking a moose for a walk.
2: Um Sometimes small is... towns
3: can be quirky.
2: Yes. But does it have personality? Even... Like what does it do? A moose? Does it wag its tail?
3: No, I don't think
1: so. It just does just... moosey things. Um Parts of this, I thought, were very, very clever. I loved the idea of a city that is literally contained in a building when the weather is, is bad. Um, like I said, there were things that didn't work for me here, but those are not things that I expect like many people to be like overly concerned with. Um, I did really, really like it up until the end, as I said. Apparently, the author... Um, is a screenwriter, and this is her first novel. I am anxious to see what she will come up with next. This is City Under One Roof by Iris Yamashita.
3: So my next book is Snow Like Ashes, Snow Like Ashes, book one by Sarah Roche. It's R-A-A-S-C-H. So 16 years ago, the kingdom of winter was defeated. It was conquered by another kingdom, and there are only eight survivors. So, only eight people got away. So, our main character's name is Mira, and she is one of the eight survivors. She's an orphan, and she was raised by a man she calls Sir. So he's kind of like I kind of describe him as kind of like the king's guard in a way. But in this situation, the king is like a 16-year-old. Oh. So yeah. So Sir is raising Mira and he's raising Mira to become a warrior. But at the same time, he also treats her very well like a, like kind of like his daughter, but He doesn't want her to call him her daughter. And she really, really wants to go out on missions. Like every once in a while, they go out on missions to go and like try to get back. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to get back their magic. So in their conquering, they've lost their magic and they've lost their kingdom. So one day they're doing some different searches, some of the different um, people under Sir's um, command, and they discovered that this locket that could give Winter back their magic has been discovered. Um, I think it's in the Spring Kingdom, if I'm not incorrect. And so Mira wants to go on this mission, because she feels that she's ready. And she feels like nobody really treats her like she really knows what she's doing. Um, She's one of the only women, so she's kind of treated like a princess, but at the same time that they're teaching her to be able to fight and to be able to defend herself. So she goes on this mission, and as most things happen in a book, you can imagine the mission does not go well. Some things happen, and it then causes... Mira to have to now deal with some political fallout. So we're going to fast forward like a little tiny bit. Spring has come. They've discovered where these winter survivors are hiding out and they capture Mira and they take her and they make her start. Her and the winter people have to now try and make a deal with spring to be able to try and get back their magic and to get back at some of the other kingdoms in this fantasy world. Um, she does this and we get to meet Theron, who is this, the Prince of Spring. And he's a really nice guy. Um, there is a bit of, a, rom- of um, a romantic triangle, but it's not really, it's not a big deal. She is in love with um, her best friend who is the king. Remember, I was telling you about the king of um, winter and his name is Mather, M-A-T-H-E-R. That's kind of where the triangle lies. And some things happen and she's got to kind of navigate through these political maneuverings. And through this, she realizes that her destiny is not really what she thought it was and that her life is not really her own. Like all she really knows is that she is living for winter and for the kingdom of winter. And that my friends is all I can tell you. I know it sounds a little vague. Um, I really enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed it actually. The description of how people love, love their season of winter and like how the kingdom is and stuff like that was really neat. So this is Snow Like Ashes, Snow Like Ashes, book one, and it's by Sarah Roche. So you make me be
0: laugh good. because you talk about love triangles and you know, I, I don't love those, but this sounds really good and I like things about winter, so I may have to check it out anyway.
2: So I my next book has such a corny title um and this author has a lot of books set in winter. Uh, and there were two that really stuck out to me, but I had to talk about this one cuz this one really really has been my favorite. Oh, it so like this that? book is Winter Garden oh. <gasps> by Kristen Hannah.
0: Oh my god. Oh, it's yeah. it's yeah. such a
2: wonderful book and if you like audiobooks, Susan Erickson reads it and does an it
0: incredible that. job with incredible that
2: as usual but yeah. wow what a book that takes you on a roller coaster so this book is about meredith and nina Whitson, and they're very different um you know they're sisters and they're very different uh, meredith is a mom she's married she runs the family apple orchard you know she stayed at home um with her family and her parents right and uh, Nina followed her dream um, to become a photojournalist and travel the world. But their father falls ill where our story begins. Um, And now Meredith and Nina find themselves together alongside their very cold, disapproving mother, Anya, who even now offers no comfort to her daughters. And as children, the only connection... Between them is the Russian fairy tale that Anya sometimes told the girls at night. And um, on his deathbed, the father extracts a promise between all of these women that Anya will tell them this fairy tale. And this time she will tell them the fairy tale all the way to the end. So begins an really interesting, I guess, journey Into the truth of their mother, Anya's life, which um, was in war-torn Leningrad more than five decades ago. And, you know, this is, of course, a dual timeline. So it goes between past and present. And Nina and Meredith are finally going to hear the singular harrowing story of her mother's life. And what they learn is a secret so terrible and so terrifying that it will reshape the very foundation of their family. And change who they believe they are. But what a book. I mean, I cried. I laughed. I, I felt hopeless. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this author just captured every every emotion that she wanted us to feel when she wrote this novel. Uh, we felt. And what an excellent, excellent novel. So if you're looking for something poignant, something emotional, something historical, um, something about family and love and and and, you know, family secrets and, you know, the reasons why people do what they do or are who they are, you have to pick up Winter Garden by Kristen Hannah. You will not be disappointed.
0: So I read this book back in 2010 and um, I, I actually typically reread all of Kristen Hannah's books. I mean, I love The Nightingale. I've read that probably three times. Um, I love... Um, oh, God, the book set in Alaska that I love so much—the Great, uh, the the Great, Great Alone. The Great Alone. My mom loves the that Four book Winds. too. I and love that so book. So I love all those books, and they're very immersive. And I, I learned things that I didn't know. But this book has stuck with me. I can't ever read it again. Like I'm almost like I actually have, like have a lump in my throat, like thinking of this book and the things that I learned and about this one winter in Leningrad. So my second book this evening is um, a book that was recommended to me in. um A romance book group on Facebook yesterday, actually. And so full transparency, I'm only two thirds of the way through this book. And it's so powerful. I had to talk about it tonight. This is Orion Constellations number one by Rhea Wilding. And this book um, is available in Kindle Unlimited, but not in audio for those um, who like to read in that format this book is, um, there are some content warnings, um, that I think, um, you need to pay attention to as I'm talking. Um, this book is very intense. It's about Orion and he is, um, a veteran living basically off the grid in Alaska. He's living at the, um, the foot of a mountain in a national park in Alaska, basically 300 miles to the closest town. And so, um, Like the way he gets supplies, they're flown in every few months. And if he really needs something, he has to put up this giant flag that can be seen from a plane. So he's living very much kind of out in the wilderness in a cabin um, with his only companion being his retired military dog um, that was his partner. And his name is Zeus. And the two of them kind of live this very secluded, solitary life out in, you know, backwoods of beyond, really. I mean, just in this very uh, secluded place. And Orion um, has a lot of emotional baggage from experiences that happened to him while he was serving with his canine partner, Zeus, in Afghanistan. Um, Lots of post-traumatic stress that he still carries around. But also he lives alone in this isolated place because when he returned home, he did so, um, he's a double amputee. Um, He does not have his legs and he really struggles with this and how to kind of move on in life without um, being able to walk and do the things that he did routinely um, when he was serving and felt like he was actually giving back and helping others. So he's living this very um, regimented life where he has um peace of mind um but also lots of trauma that he de- deals with along with Zeus who also has his own trauma and um and one day he's um you know kind of sitting in his cabin looking out the window and starts seeing um the start of an avalanche on the mountainside and Zeus is acting very strange and he looks up with his binoculars and sees that there is a hiker up on the mountain who's going to get caught in this avalanche. And so Orion decides that because he had the search and rescue training as well as Zeus, he really needed to see if he could um, save this hiker who was trapped beneath you know, several feet of snow and debris from this avalanche. So he gets himself up onto the mountain with Zeus and they recover the hiker, who is a woman who is pretty seriously injured. And he's able to kind of begin the process of nursing her back to health because of the things that he keeps on hand in case of emergency in his isolated cabin. And we are in the midst of Alaskan winter, um, like, Feet of snow are falling each day. Um, He has to shovel every single day to be able to get out to his firewood supply. And, you know, so he's living this very isolated life in this cabin and trying to keep this woman alive. And when she finally wakes up a couple weeks later from a coma, we realize that she um, has no memory of who she was and what she was doing on this mountain But in the time that she was sleeping and he was caring for her, he decided her name should be Hope because she survived such significant trauma up on the mountain. And as Hope and Orion begin to sort of forge this beautiful relationship together, um, her presence kind of begins to help Orion to start working through the reasons why he is kind of living such a secluded lifestyle with no company, but his German shepherd and now hope. And they become closer. They begin to forge this like lovely, beautiful connection together. And, you know, they're helping each other as the snow continues to fall. But right after he um, rescued this young woman from the avalanche, Orion put up a flag. So the next time a plane flew over, they would be able to come and hopefully, like, lift her out and take her to a hospital for additional recovery. Because obviously, in the midst of snow covered Alaska, that's the only way that she's going to be able to get any sort of um, medical attention. And after weeks of being together in the midst of the snow, something happens that causes Hope to remember who she was and why she was on this mountain. And the reason why she was on this mountain has to do with something that is quite dangerous that she has just enough knowledge of to turn this book from sort of a romance between a traumatized disabled veteran and a woman with memory issues into a thriller that's like high octane and like nonstop. And that's all I'm oh. going to say about this book because a, I haven't quite finished it yet. I'm probably about somewhere between 50 and hundred pages from the end, but also I don't want to give too much away about the plot because there's some really interesting things that you learn about hope's life, but also about Orion that kind of tells you why he thinks the only way to be able to kind of deal with life and all of the things that have happened to him are to be alone. There is a lot of discussion of the violence in Orion's past. There's discussion of um, violence toward um, an animal that's pretty hard to read. Um, but I think that this story, even though it's hard to read at times is told with such beauty and sensitivity, um, positive disability representation. I think a really raw and what I believe to be a pretty honest look at um, the impact of PTSD on a person. And so you might want to check content warnings before you start this book, but this is going to be a five-star read for me. I already know it. Um, The writing is beautiful and descriptive. Um, The story is A lovely slow burn. Um, There's lots of descriptions of, you know, (laughs) the snow and the Alaskan sort of um, wilderness where Hope finds herself when she awakens, Um, and it's a story about two people who not only are falling in love, but are also sort of beginning the very painful process of healing. And there's a lot of self discovery in this book as well. It's just one of the loveliest things I've read in quite some time. So if you want to know more about the story and what happens and why this lone woman was hiking in the mountains of Alaska all alone, you might want to pick up Orion, Constellations Book One by Rhea Wilding. It sounds
1: really, really good.
0: Yeah. So my second book
1: tonight also features dogs pretty prominently. This is The Last Woman in the Forest by Ooh. Diane Leviquet. And this came out several years ago. I read it, gosh, I don't even know, like 2017, 2018, maybe. Um, and it is the story of Marion. Marion has found what she believes the perfect job for herself. She works with rescue dogs to help protect endangered wildlife species. So on her first assignment, she goes to Northern Alberta and she meets up with this man named Tate who is kind of her her mentor. He's helping her get used to all the things that go into her job. The two of them spend a lot of time together and eventually fall in love. And they end up working together on a few different assignments, like as time goes by. Now, when we first meet Marion she is dealing with the fact that Tate has disappeared and certain things that she has started to find out about him cause her to call into question some of the things that he's told her about his past. And now she's really wondering like who he was and she's questioning not only like, who he was, but the effect that he had on her and like the, the strength and depth of their relationship. Because they were alone together quite a bit of the time. If they weren't completely alone, they were like in, you know, a small group. And she wonders like how, how authentic are her feelings for him? As she kind of relives this relationship that she forged with Tate, she realizes that his disappearance may be linked to the murders of four women that were never solved. So she reaches out to a retired forensic profiler who also has like, ties to these cases and asks him to help her understand who Tate was and what his connection to these you know, crimes might have been. This is an utterly chilling read featuring like all the things that you want in kind of a a winter thriller. you know you definitely have like the the person against the elements you have kind of this like not only are you fighting to survive because the weather is horrible and you're just not as equipped as perhaps you know you could be to to survive, but you also have the idea that like someone is. Hunting you because you are uncovering things that perhaps someone would rather you didn't. And the question, of course, is is this person who is hunting Marion, is it Tate or is it someone else? I loved this so incredibly much when I read it. And I was really, really excited to actually have an episode of the podcast where we could talk about it. So this is The Last Woman in the Forest by Diane LeBeke, and I highly recommend it. It's one of those, like, hidden gems that I don't hear people talking about
3: nearly enough. I will be definitely getting this book. Kind of continuing on Shannon's thread, because how she talked about fighting against the elements and, like, being hunted and all the wonderful things about winter thrillers. It fits with my next book, which is chill factor by Sandra Brown, which is Natalia's favorite author, but she's officially so allowed much. Me to oh. talk about this book. <laughs> so our main character's name is Lily and She has returned to Cleary, North Carolina, a small mountain town, to clear out her cabin that she shared with her longtime husband, Dutch. And they have divorced, and Dutch really doesn't want her to go. So she's not only trying to get away from him and his desire to keep her, but she's also kind of racing the elements because there's a big storm about to roll in. So, one thing about Clary is it's such a small town that really the only kind of crime you would expect is like parking tickets and like parking offenses and those sort of things. Well, that is not the case for Clary. Four women have gone missing over the past two years. And there's no bodies been found. Nobody has an idea who's doing it. The only thing that they're finding is that there is a blue ribbon that is being left near where the women go missing. So Lily is trying, she's packed up all her stuff. She's got her car ready. And then she kind of just starts thinking about memories. And she ends up falling asleep which is kind of a problem because, as I said, she's trying to erase the weather. So she wakes up and she it's dark and like getting off this mountain from her uh, cabin is kind of a treacherous road, but she really needs to get going. So she takes off and she's driving and she goes around a turn and all of a sudden a guy runs out into the middle of the road. And she wasn't really thinking and she slammed on her brakes. So she goes sliding and she ends up hitting him. The back of her vehicle hits him. So when she gets out of the vehicle after crashing into a tree, she gets out of the vehicle and she goes over to the man and she realizes that the man is, his name is Ben Tierney. And he is a man that she met the year before when she was out on a, I think it was a kayaking trip. And he does a lot of like different kind of outdoor adventures. And then he writes about it in in different magazines. And so she realizes that he's quite injured. So they go back to her cabin. They have to walk there. So they walk back to her cabin and they kind of figure out like what supplies they have and they realize that they're probably going to be there for a while so while this is happening we're getting to see like what's happening in the town and like Dutch knows now that because Lily was able to get a phone call through to him just kind of saying like I'm stuck on the stuck at the cabinet at the cabin and I don't know if I'll be able to get back down but just so you know I'm here and like come get me when you can. So he's trying to rush up there because he wants to be like the hero and he wants to like save her and hope that she'll take him back. And there's reasons why they broke up and there's reasons why she would never ever imagine to take him back. But she he doesn't believe that that's the case. And he thinks that if he's able to save her, then she will definitely take him back. So that's we're kind of like following all the things that are happening in the town. And there's also some other people that we meet in the town that are pretty um, interesting people, like the pharmacist and his, his sister. And we meet like the mayor. Um, we meet some FBI agents, which are kind of interesting individuals. But at the cabin, Ben and Lily they're kind of trying to keep each other warm and also at the same time they're kind of battling their attraction for one another but as time goes on Lily discovers some things that make her start wondering could Ben be the one who has been taking these women and if so like is he going to do something to her? And like honestly, like you really honestly wonder. I'm like, I was, I was, I was so, I was so convinced. I didn't even know who was gonna be what. I didn't know what was gonna happen. I didn't know if he was gonna be a bad guy, somebody else was gonna give me a bad guy. There's so many different angles that could have went. Like I I was very surprised at the end when we got to the end. So this is Chill Factor and it's by Sandra Brown.
2: I
0: loved Chill Factor. Like, I remember reading it. um, Like, I can see, like, the grad school apartment I was living in, like, when I read it. Like, (laughs) I can see where I was sitting. Like, there's this scene, like, where um, they're gathering all the supplies, like, in the high school, like, for the storm. Like, I just, I remember very vivid things about this book. And it's one of the Sandra Brown books that never left me.
2: My last book is a series that always takes place in winter. At least when I read it. Has there ever been summer in this series, Shannon? I don't think so. And well, it's every book just manages to be creepier and creepier. And this book is The Beginning to the Series by Lisa Jackson. Oh. And it's called <laughs> Left to Die. Yes, book one in the alvarez and pascoli series and yes of course no matter what book was my favorite in the series i would start with book one because my brain is just wired that way but this is actually my favorite book in the series and you know what would you do if you were in the middle of a storm and your car stopped working and Well, you got into a car accident and you lose consciousness and you wake up and your car is totaled around you. You're in the middle of the mountains and this guy rescues you and he's really, you know, he takes you to a cabin. He tends to your wounds, but I don't know, you feel super uneasy with him. and But, you know, you're really hurt, so you can't do anything about it and you can't leave and you're just kind of biding your time. And then that's what happens to Jillian, one of the protagonists in our novel. And meanwhile, from an alternate point of view, we've got uh, Detective Selena Alvarez and Regan Pascoli investigating these really grisly murders around Grizzly Point, Montana. Yes, you got it right. That's (laughs) the name of the town. Grizzly murders in Grizzly Point. Very fitting. And they're very, very creepy. They've discovered bodies that have had awful things done to them. And this seems to be this serial killer's MO. Uh, you know, causing a woman to have a car accident and then kidnapping her and torturing her until she dies and leaving her body in a way where the cops can find it in a very strategic way. Because he feels that the police can't see the beauty in his work, but soon, very soon they will. And this is maddling for Detective Alvarez and Pascoli because even with the FBI involved, there are no leads, except we have a lead because we're listening to Jillian Rivers' story. And the problem with Jillian's story is that the stranger that that has uh, not kidnapped her, but helped her heal in the cabin, uh, Zane McGregor, um, sets her on edge. And even though she feels grateful, Uh, if she knew what was happening in the woods of Montana, she'd be truly terrified because someone is waiting, watching, and poised to strike and make Jillian the next victim. And if you want to know more, you must read Left to Die, Regan Pascoli-Selena Alvarez, Detectives Book One by Lisa Jackson. And now this is an author that manages... To make things so creepy. And even when her books, or especially when her books are set in winter, it just, there are no limits.
0: So, this is a book that I read years ago and never forgot. I feel like I keep saying that about Natalia's books tonight, but it's true. (laughs) So, my final book tonight is quite something creepy. And I'm sorry, because I know we talk about this author in this series quite a lot, but it's for a good reason because it fits so well in so many different episodes that we have here at Book Bistro. So tonight I'm going to talk to you about Edge of Collapse. Edge of Collapse, book Whoa. one. By I know, by Kyla you Stone. You finally read those books? I read them like a couple years ago. Yeah, I, I read the whole series. Oh. So this first book, Edge of Collapse, oh is about Hannah. And Hannah is um, not loving life. She has been the prisoner of this, sadistic man for five years. And so everybody else in the United States is really distressed when there's like an electromagnetic pulse that completely screws the um, power grid. But for Hannah, it's actually a blessing because for the first time in five years, the um, like electronic locks on her prison in the earth, on the door, they're sprung. And Hannah is able to escape out into the snowy winter of the upper peninsula of Michigan. And we're not just talking like a snowy winter. Cause we know that like in the UP, like if you're familiar, you know, they get a lot of snow in the UP and that it's kind of like, you know, winter's kind of intense, but this is like the most intense winter on record. And there's a few hundred miles between Hannah and the town where she is from where she has people waiting for her. And she leaves this prison with nothing more than the clothes on her back and her determination to get home. And she takes off and upon, you know, during her trek through the snow and like no, like the cars have stopped working and everything is just pretty traumatizing except for the fact that she's free. She runs across a man named Liam, and Liam is this bitter, cynical loner who hasn't been so i mean he was a he was a soldier, and now he's just very bitter and he's alone and and then everything that he cares about because of this electromagnetic pulse has been taken from him so Hannah sets out upon this trek, and her only companion at the beginning I kind of like jumped ahead, I'm sorry. She has two companions at the beginning. She um, rescues a dog named Ghost from the kidnapper, from his cabin, because she doesn't want to leave this dog alone, and he just seems like such a lovely, lovely animal. But Hannah's not traveling alone with only a canine companion, because Hannah is pregnant. And this child, she's very close to delivering this child that may not be a child that she was planning on in her prison, shall we say. So when she crosses paths with Liam the loner, there's a lot going on for her and she's not sure she can trust Liam, of course. But the other problem is that her abductor is not gonna let her like free from his clutches. He's gonna continue to track her, to find her because she is his obsession and he is not willing to let her go. So Hannah and her canine companion and her sort of somewhat unwilling loner of a companion named Liam are out in the middle of this wilderness of snow and ice with um, a failed power grid and a killer stalking them. And really, like, I don't think I can say much more about her flight for freedom without giving away too much about this book and this series. But what I will say is if you like thrillers, if you like survival books, if you like post apocalyptic amazingness, the series is incredible. A lot of it takes place um, during the wintertime in Michigan. Um, A lot of it is about um, learning how to survive in a very um, inhospitable landscape where a lot of what people have taken for granted is no longer available. And it's about a woman and a man who forge a relationship based on necessity. And it's just sort of the best thing I've ever read with one of the most amazing dogs in the history of ever. Um, And I know that I'm being very vague I know that I'm being very vague, but it's it's too hard to talk about this book without giving you spoilers. So just know there's a stalker, there's snow and you ice just, and lack of like all the modern amenities and a killer on the loose. It's just everything,
2: right? And planes falling from the sky. Oh God. And
0: cars and just, crashing. Oh my. It's everything. It's and everything. It, it, there's a lot stacked against Hannah, but there's also... um a lot of beauty that she will discover in this very inhospitable new world. Um, And there's found family. There's so much about this um, series that is beyond amazing to read. If if you like reading books on audio, um, the the narrator for this series is Stacy Glombosky. Yeah. She's Mm -hmm. incredible. She, yeah. Stacy Glamboski. And this my friends is all I will say about edge of collapse, edge of collapse book one, by the incomparable and fabulous Kyla Stone. The entire series is complete. If you are someone who doesn't like to read books with cliffhangers, never fear. You can go forth and read all seven books back to back without any worry. Um, It is a very violent series. um, So I should probably say if, if you don't like violence, this may not be for you, but if you like a really gritty, raw, honest look about how people respond to basically the ending of civilization as we know it today, pick up Edge of Collapse by Kyla Stone and you won't regret it.
1: All right, so my last book also shows us that tragedy can bring out the best in some and the mm. worst in others. This is historical fiction. It is mm. The Children's Blizzard yes. by yes. Melanie Benjamin. So this is based on a really horrendous blizzard that hit the Great Plains in January of 1888. And basically it hit right around the time when children were being released from school and everyone was kind of cut off from their children. Um, You know, schools were not close to where people lived. And so, teachers, many of whom were really young, like as young as 16, have these horrible decisions to make. Like, do they keep the children in the schoolhouse where they'll be safe for a little while, but then like what happens when the firewood runs out or do they try to have them walk home in the storm? So this novel is based on true events, but with fictitious characters. And so we follow a group of people, two sisters, Reina and Goethe, who are both sisters. I mean, who are both teachers. One of them becomes a hero for bringing her students safely through the storm. The other is ostracized because of poor decisions that she made putting her charges in danger. We also get to know Annette, who is a servant girl who managed to survive and a kind of yuckety, at least yuckety in the beginning, newspaper man who comes to town to interview all the survivors and kind of is forced to reckon with a whole bunch of stuff that he was not prepared for. I think he kind of arrived with the idea in his head like he was going to spin a story a certain way and what he actually found was far beyond anything that he could spin. Um, This is a very brutal novel. I think it illustrates in the way that so many books do that talk about like the Western expansion of the United States and what homesteaders, many of them immigrants, what they experienced as they tried to live new lives um, in the West when settlements were few and far between. Melanie Benjamin has written a ton of really great historical novels, but I think this one will always be my favorite Um, just because it tells another piece of history that a lot of us don't know nearly enough about. So this is The Children's Blizzard by Melanie Benjamin. So this concludes our discussion of books set in winter. Thank you to Brooke, Stacy, and the very fortunate Natalia, who is not existing in winter weather right now for joining us tonight. Thanks as always goes out to Christine for all of her editing. And of course we thank each and every one of you so much for joining us each week as we talk about great books.